You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Everybody, welcome back to the Ducks on the Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. My name is John Gordon. I'll be your host. And I'm your host, Katie Burke. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America. The DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina Pro Plan, always advancing. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Ducks Unlimited podcast. The air is cold, the birds are flying, that time of year, and I thought it would be a good idea this, you know, being close to Christmas, that we talk to somebody that uh, is a partner, a proud partner for Ducks Unlimited, and really, this is in their wheelhouse. They, they build a lot of great products that make great gifts for Christmas, and I thought I would go a little behind the scenes of product development with uh, Justin Carpenter of Drake Waterfowl. He's a senior vice president. He's director of brand strategy. Justin, welcome to the DU Podcast. Hey, John. Thanks for having me on today. It's a pleasure to be talking to you today. Justin and I recently got to share a blind together, and uh, that was a tremendous amount of fun in uh, his home state of Nebraska. Justin, have you had a chance to get out much since then? Yeah, I got out uh, this weekend. I uh, spent some time pheasant hunting uh, on Saturday, and then uh, this past Sunday got back out again for ducks. That's one thing I, you know, that I, I was sad that we didn't get to do. We talked about doing upland hunting as well. Uh, this is all on DU Nation, folks. You'll be able to check it out. Uh, but to, through the weather conditions, we had to switch gears, so we didn't get to do it. Yeah, it's, uh, it always seems like a good plan on paper to get up and go duck hunting in the morning and then go pheasant hunting in the afternoon. But man, especially when it's cold like it was, it's it's hard work. By the time you get to lunchtime, you're ready to put the waders on a boot dryer and get undressed and into your sweats and just kind of hit the couch. Watch a little TV, watch a little TV, a little football maybe. That's uh, that's about right to tell you. And I went to South Dakota from there and uh, talk about pheasants. I, I've never, you know, I don't live in the in pheasant country, right? So seeing all kind of pheasants just running around on the roads, man, it was really, you know, it, it's really different for me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's uh, It's been a tough couple of years on pheasants up here with the weather conditions and being um, in a few years of drought, but we still have Quite a few birds running around. It's got to be a lot different than what you're used to seeing down south. Yeah, exactly, which is nothing. <laughs> right. I mean, it's sad. The upland hunting's dead here, man. I mean, Bob White used to be the king, right? We had some great quail hunting in the south, and it's just all gone. And it's it's sad, you know? I mean, I, I had a German short hair at one point, and, you know, just pen stuff. It's hard for me to justify, though, anymore. I just I just don't do it enough to, to really have a dog for it. So, you know, it just I, I wish things would come back, but it doesn't seem like the best efforts they're doing are not, are not bringing those birds back to us. Yeah, you're just going to have to be a... 
a duck season snowbird. Yeah, that's it, man. I got to travel. travel. Back and forth. I got to go north. So anyway, Justin, okay, you, you grew up in Maine, yep. right? And then, you know, how did you really get involved in in the outdoor industry to begin with? Uh, I grew up, as you mentioned, I grew up in Maine. Um, my family was big into camping and fishing primarily. Um, my dad spent a lot of time more in the competitive shooting side of things. And so I was exposed to more of that than I was actual hunting as I was growing up. But man, I, I just fell in love with the outdoors and like I said, primarily on the fishing side of things. And after college, I started working for L.L. Bean, um, spent some t- about four or four and a half years working for L.L. Bean. I was teaching in their fly fishing schools and I was doing a lot of hunting. As much as I love fishing, I was spending my entire fall hunting, um, even though some of the best time to be trout fishing, salmon fishing is in October, November. And uh, ended up, uh, position came up with Cabela's in Michigan and I moved away from Maine. And I just packed my truck and drove partway across the country and um, went to work for what we called at the time was Disney World of the Outdoors. And uh, uh, we opened up a store in Southeast Michigan. I spent almost five years there uh, working in fishing department and uh, in the apparel department and then um, moved again for an, another role with Cabela's to Pennsylvania. And then a few years later, moved out to the corporate office in Sydney, Nebraska. Um, so in the retail side of things, I spent between L.L. Bean and Cabela's maybe 11, 12 years um, working in the industry there before I moved into the corporate side of things. And really, I would say, you know, I learned a lot in the retail side, managing assortments, uh, understanding the customer perspective and um, shopping habits. And then when I moved to the corporate side is really where my experience changed quite a bit. I, I was working on um, product assortment, merchandising, product development. I spent some time in and even process improvement. Over the years, I, you know, in the outdoor uh, space prior to coming to Drake, I spent 22, 23 years working in various aspects of it and really fell in love with all the inner workings of, of how big box retail works. Again, the, the customer part of it was such a passion coming from the retail side of things. And then I was able to take that and really utilize that experience to help best develop assortments, pricing strategies, product development itself um, to support in the end what, what our entire purpose is, the, the customer and the outdoors. Right. That, and that's a great background to have in what you do now, I would think, because like you said, you get a real a feel for the, what the customer wants and what they need in a product. So that it had to have been a huge uh, boost for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really gives you a a real window into what the customer's looking for on the sales floor or when they're shopping online, uh, being obviously end user that, that adds another layer to it, of course, particularly on the, the product development side. I've always kind of been a tinkerer, if you will. Uh, somebody's always looking for a better solution. So that's, that makes the, the product development part of it really fun. 
That's right. That's right. And, you know, you came into Drake in a very interesting time in history and it had to have been very challenging because it was 2020. I mean, it was in the middle of a pandemic when I first talked to you and, you know, everything was kind of up in the air, you know, all across the, the, the world. And so from getting things built, done, it had to have been really challenging. Yeah. I mean, being in the heart of the pandemic when I started, it was a completely different game compared to the type of work I was doing when I was at Cabela's. So I was traveling overseas, you're working directly with the factories. There, There's no opportunity to do that at that point when I came to Drake and, you know, learning new factories, learning, you know, obviously the, the factory contacts and building relationships with them, building trust, uh, being able to communicate your needs with respect to products, features, technologies, et cetera language barriers, time zone differences, all of that. It was a, a total level of complexity with respect to the development that I hadn't had to deal with before. Right, right. And I'm sure it probably, you know, it, it helped you grow in the business because now you know you really can deal with just about any conditions, you know, <laughs> if, if you have to, right? Yeah, it, uh, it definitely made me more nimble and more, I, I just had to pivot a lot. I had to change course. I I had to find different ways to achieve the same goal without being able to, you know, be face to face with a, a factory or factory wrap. I gotcha. I gotcha. Let's move forward here. We, we talked about this some when we hunted. The gear that we have at our disposal now is light years ahead of what it was when we were growing up, right? I mean, oh yeah, yeah. The, the fabrics, the 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 lightweight, the breathability, just the freedom of motion you have with the with the with the waterfowling and, and hunting gear it, overall that you have now is is incredible compared to, to what it was you know 20 30 years ago um i mean how do you really see it moving forward from there i mean it, it seems like so really you know so great now yeah yeah i it's funny you think back like it's hard to even envision what people you know fathers grandfathers great grandfathers before us did in the field with the technology they had or in reality didn't have back then. When I think of, you know, the, the gear that they had, and I'm not even talking about, you know, the tools to fool the game, whether it be decoys or calls, et cetera. I'm just talking about the products that we wear to keep us warm and dry. I mean, the first thing that I think of is we're not men, I mean, really, they were men <laughs> right. back then. A lot tougher I mean, than us. They're wearing plastic bags on their over their socks, and they're like they had to have been freezing cold, and they're soaking wet. It's just it's hard to envision, you know, the the gap between where we are right now compared to what they had for technology and materials and fit, as you mentioned, compared to the gap that will be. 10, 15, 20 years down the road for us. I mean, it feels like what more could we do with gear uh, other than make it, you know, minor tweaks here and there to improve performance. But I mean, I guess we'll see. But man, it's a big difference between now and, you know, old cotton waffle knit oh, long underwear. Man, it, it's true. And their their biggest waterproof and warm thing was wool. Right, I mean that's that was that was the thing then for waterfowlers, especially in the north. That that everybody everything they had was wool. Right, right, and wool's still a great product, but 
I mean, there's so many other technologies now that you can pick and choose what fits your needs, what fits your look, what fits, you know, your preferences, but it's still hard to beat wool, but man, that's all they had back then or down. And or down, even right. there, you get down wet and you're, you get pretty cold. Gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. This is what everybody really wants to know. And that's what really fascinates me is, okay, you, your approach to product creation, it, it's got to be, how do you just, you sit down and come up with an idea? Do you find out these things in the field? Do things hit you out there? Uh, do people bring ideas to you? How does it really work to where it really, to where you really start from? Well, that's that's a good question. It's a loaded question. There's so many different entry points into product development, and it does span the the entire spectrum from something comes to mind while you're hunting in a field or in a blind or in a boat, whatever. You see something that would solve a problem for you, um, or it may solve a problem for somebody else that's with you. Um, sometimes... You're looking at your assortment and you see a gap in a price point or in a, a performance trait or feature. You could see gaps in the market space where, you know, there's a, you know, a function or uh, entire purpose for a product that isn't being met by the market anywhere. Working with factories or fabric suppliers you can see, stumble upon a technology that you can incorporate into a product that you're going to use for waterfowling. There's a lot, honestly, of crossover from other industries and sports where you can find, you know, it could be cushion for, you know, helmet protection, or it could be, in um trying to think off the top of my head, some other industry. I think a lot's come from the military, am I correct? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of product ideas that come from the military, um, for sure. And a lot of the military, uh, I would say, that particularly on the clothing side, they're gaining a lot of inspiration from the hunting um, and sports apparel industries. Um, so to answer your question, it's hard to say, but in with one definitive answer, there's so many, as I said, so many different entry points into the product development cycle. And you try to span uh, at least, you know, some innovation. It can't all be innovation or you would be stuck in kind of the R&D cycle for a really long time. But it also can't all just be, you know, an update to this product or a tweak on that product. You've got to have core products in the assortment that you may look to um, update from existing product. You may layer in new price points. You may add additional technologies and some of that comes from the white space analysis and looking at your product assortment and and then you like I said you got to layer in your product innovation because ultimately as duck hunters we're we're kind of as innovators we try and find solutions to problems that we're finding in the field or new ways to to build something that's gonna change the game or fool the waterfowl or the deer or whatever our quarry is. It's it's really a blend of all. I don't know if that answered your question, but it's uh, it kind of depends. It, that, and, and that's what I thought. You're getting input from all over, you know, from yourself and from others. It, it's uh, there's, there's no one way that it goes about, I'm sure. Uh, is it, you, you think it's tougher to design uh, different pieces of clothing or different, you know, gear 
parts like new bags and gun cases and all that what's what's really more difficult to come up with you know i'm just going to keep answering your questions with it depends um (laughs) so if you're talking apples to apples there's levels of complexity that you will encounter on the apparel side that you don't encounter on the gear side and vice versa so some of the things on the apparel side that make it a little more complicated to develop than you would have on gear is fit, you know, fabric technology, different materials will stretch or behave in different manners than others. So you can't always just take one product. Let's just say from a, you know, a simplicity standpoint, you're developing a t-shirt. If you have one fabrication on a t-shirt, you can't just take your fit that you have on that t-shirt and then extend that to a completely different fabrication you're going to have to make tweaks to that Um, you go through a whole set of exercises to approve colorations Um, there's obviously uh, testing that gets applied to different fabrics Uh, but on the gear side depending upon what type of gear we're talking about you have molds you have parts that interconnect and work together Um, there's hinges and sometimes electronics. And so there's so many other aspects on gear. If you're talking hard goods or, um, like I said, electronics or blinds that you don't have to deal with on the apparel side. And most companies, I would say when they're playing in the, the gear world, and again, more on the hard goods side, aren't employing a host of engineers to design, develop from scratch all of their products and components. They're utilizing some of the factory resources. So some of that gets put back onto trusted partners that you're using and their engineers. On the clothing side, I would say that level of complexity is brought in-house more often. Uh, If you're just looking across the different companies out there that are building uh, clothing and clothing at a high level, they're doing a lot more of the internal design and development that is getting sent overseas or to whichever factory that they're utilizing to execute. So to some degree on the gear side, a lot of companies are working with agencies or working with engineers at a um, supplier that can help execute the product to their requirements. I gotcha. I gotcha. So it, it sounds complicated. Yeah, there's a <laughs> lot to it. You know, um, you th- you think maybe development starts with an idea and then you snap your fingers and you you look at a product and it's done. Or you maybe go through two prototypes, but there's a lot that goes into it. And it, some products, particularly on the R&D side, take round after round of prototypes. Right, right. So, yeah, so typical season, you've got several different prototypes you're working with, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we've in the past couple of years, really, since I started with Drake, we have really elevated the level to which we are launching product and expanding our assortment into new areas. And it's a juggling act. You've got various stages of prototypes going at the same time with numerous products. It's it gets to you can go from a pretty clean, organized office space to an absolute 
like it looks like a tornado hit it pretty quickly once you get into the proto stages. I got you, but that's that's really on the way to do it, right? You've got to get it out in the field, got to test it out, got to see what works and what doesn't. Correct. I mean, there's no way to 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 fast track this. You, you've really got to test stuff out in the field, right? And and really see what works and what doesn't. Yeah, I mean, there are shortcuts, but they're not good. You put anytime you take any sort of shortcut, you're putting something at risk. So it could be the performance, function, features, it could be fit, it could be quality, durability, all of those things. If you cross your fingers and hope, you may be taking a shortcut, but it's at the potential detriment to the product and the experience in the field. So, but to your point, you you do need to validate these products. And so what I was talking about there a minute ago with the prototyping stages of the development process, at the very end of that is your final validation period. Uh, throughout the entire process, though, you're you're validating the product on one level or another, whether it be the actual fit, if you're developing something totally new there, or individual components of a product, or the actual testing of a fabric in terms of waterproof, breathability, insulation, abrasion resistance, any of those things. When you get to the end, or at least to the point where you've got a working prototype, it, there's a full-blown effort to validate the product in terms of in-field performance. And that can take, you know, it could be a short effort if it's a minor modification of something that's existing and you you have known quantities and technologies, uh, but it could be a major effort if it's a complete R&D project where you're looking at a completely new item that hasn't been used in the field that's going to solve a problem for um, a user that really doesn't exist. Man, pretty pretty fascinating process, really. It's uh, you know, and it, it's got. I, I'm sure you know some some like you said, a brand new product must take substantially more time than like you say a tweak to something you've already got. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. It's um, you know, tweaks can be pretty quick. You can take, and even if you're resourcing with a new uh, factory partner. Those can be pretty quick when you send your tech packs or your designs and your specs for the product, and then you can send a sample. Those can be pretty quick, but yeah, a new product can take months and months and months. And in the hunting world, particularly uh, something, let's say, for instance, turkey, where your season is really short, there's only so much time that you're actually going to get hardcore in the field testing. So your entire development cycle needs to take into account the time frame when you need to have that product in the field. Or say on the waterfowl side, you've got waders, you've got insulated apparel. If you're offline, if you will, with your, your development timeline, it could put you in May, June, July to test insulated products in the field. And that, nobody's really going to put the time in the field to really test and get accurate results on insulated products in the summer. So what that does is it pushes you into testing it in the fall, and then that pushes you potentially outside your timeline if you've got a launch date that, you know, particularly if you're in a wholesale business where you've got to launch product to a, a buyer one year plus in advance of when that product is actually going to sell to the consumer, whether it be online or in a retail store. Man, I think everybody's learning that, Justin, you've got you've got a difficult job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody's got to do it. No, <laughs> sure, it's, uh, that's right. 
It's a lot of fun. And honestly, um, where calendar is probably one of the least exciting parts of the conversation in the product development side, but it is so critically important. My first week with Drake, we spent three whole days and we could have spent weeks working through it, but we spent three whole days working on dry erase boards, drawing out the calendar for the development process, layering in the spring timelines for the casual products, the fishing gear, the turkey assortment, and then layering in the the waterfowl deer hunting McAllister side of the, the house in fall. And it's, it's amazing how much dry erase board you can fill up with those calendar dates. And without even getting into the minor details of, you know, when are you going to order or develop the hang tags or when are you going to develop the graphics on the, you know, the waiter boxes or any of those types of, call it minutia in the development process, the the major tasks can fill up a huge amount of dry board, dry erase space. Yeah, that's what people really need to understand. If you have a new turkey vest coming out and you don't have that joker ready to go in February, well, uh, good luck. Better luck next year. You know, I mean, there's, yeah. it, the timing is everything. Timing is everything. And, you know, you layer in when do you cut your POs? When do you meet with your dealers? When do you have your sales meeting? When do you print your workbooks? And you just keep going back in the timeline. And pretty soon, man, it seems ridiculous to to be talking about a 24-month, 36-month timeline, depending upon the level of effort and the development. But it gets there pretty fast when you start backing out from launch date to, like I said, to meeting with your dealers and buyers to printing your workbooks, et cetera. Man, great stuff. Great stuff. We're going to take a little break, folks, uh, and we'll uh, be right back on the Ducks and Lemon podcast with Justin Carpenter. Stay tuned to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, after these messages. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast. My guest today is Drake Waterfowl's Justin Carpenter. He is uh, Senior Vice President and Director of Brand Strategy and, and the guy really behind the products you see on the shelves that, uh, that are out every year uh, from Drake uh, Waterfowl Systems and, you know, at various lines. People forget that y'all have, you know, the non-typical deer hunting stuff, old-time turkey, uh, performance fishing, casual. I mean, it's, it's a really all-encompassing deal. Yeah, we've got product that really hits every season in um, the hunting and fishing space, as well as you know, spring, summer, fall, winter. In terms of casual, um, we really have product for all year, and our tagline "Always in season." You you saw on fixtures and on our website for for years and years, and it truly is accurate. We've got product for every 
every outdoor endeavor. Let's talk a little about new products that came out this year, Justin. And one that I'm really excited okay. about, and one that I really like that uh, that I was just wearing in the field, you know, when I was on the road, uh, are the H and D waders. And waders have come so far, and that's a piece of gear that is all about comfort and keeping you dry. And tell us a little bit about developing that new waiter. Yeah, so first, I guess they'll say you hit the nail on the head there when you said piece of gear. Waders have come such a long way from, you know, the earlier materials, the canvas and rubber, where they were just um, a means to an end. And I would even say a pretty uncomfortable end. Oh, terrible. In, in a lot of cases, <laughs> and in so many ways. They have become something that duck hunters and fishermen can geek out about. I mean, this is a piece of gear. It is as critical to your success and comfort in the field as anything else that you take. And as a result, uh, there are a number of brands out there making waders, and the the waiter market has advanced so much that this has become you know a product that is a pleasure to wear and helps. You become more effective, stay in the field longer, endure more difficult conditions, and go home. I mean, ultimately, we all want to go home safe. And a bad pair of waders can set you up for failure, for sure. Oh, it's the truth, man. If, you, if you're out there in the field, and well, you get wet. Depending on the temperature, yeah. it could be real serious. Yeah, 100%. This, so this new HND waiter that you mentioned is was a labor of love uh, for me because, you know, it's waders are fun to work on. They're not just the old technology that you just, you need to build something to be able to put on over your, you know, your lower half and try and keep you dry. Now we're past the point of warm and dry. It becomes more about uh, something that's comfortable, something that has some features that benefit you, whether it be the correct pocketing or, you know, the shoulder straps or the front zipper was a, a huge advancement in the waiter game. I remember a friend of mine got a pair of front zip waiters years and years ago, and he was somewhat excited, but a bit skeptical of them. And I laughed at him. I thought, well, that's you're only going to wait up to your hips because anything above that, you're going to get soaked. And, you know, I, I can't even... It's hard for me to envision putting on anything other than a front zip waiter at this point. I mean, there are plenty of great waiters out there. We have a couple pair of waiters in our assortment that don't have a front zip, and they're super comfortable, and they're warm, and they they keep you dry, and they they have um, all the features you need in a waiter. But it's, once you go front zipper, it's hard to hard to go back. Oh man, it's the truth, and and it's all about it's all about the, the call of nature, right? In a lot of ways, man, because <laughs> it's like. In the old days, man, especially with neoprene waders, and neoprene was a big advancement over the canvas and rubber days, right? But my goodness, man, getting those things off and you know and and down and everything else, and you're freezing to death, and there, you know, it was it was rough. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, neoprene waders are still a pretty good part of the business, and they provide a huge benefit. Um, they're warm, they're comfortable, they. They can be a little more difficult to put on, particularly if you're wearing a pair that's, um, you know, keeping your garments snug to the body, which ultimately is going to help keep you warm and mobile. But yeah, going to a breathable wader, particularly with a front zip, has totally changed the game. But with this HND wader, I mean, one of the things that I was really excited about building into this wader was first and foremost, 
um, I'd say first and foremost, but one of the pieces that was super important to me was the fit. You know, there's there's lots of waiters out there, and the difference between it, with all things being equal, the difference between a waiter that you are going to be truly comfortable in and versus one that you're gonna wish was a little bit different can be the fit. I worked really hard, um, spent a lot, lot of time working with our tech design team on the individual dimensions, updating the patterns, going back and forth and back and forth with the factory, trying to make adjustments, the minor tweaks. It's uh, you know getting something that works and something that works really, really well can be a huge difference in terms of the level of effort to accomplish. And when we were down to the wire on those waiters in terms of A, the timeline and and B, the last things that we needed to accomplish, it was the little details that made all the difference in the world. Exactly, exactly. I'll tell you a detail that I think, in my opinion, is, is the best one of these that y'all have had on a waiter for sure is the boot. That, that boot is really good, comfortable, great grip. It, it's really outstanding. Yeah, that, that boot was the other part that I really worked hard on. So the fit and the boot were the two main components that I spent the bulk of my time working on with this new waiter and you know designing the new outsole, moving from a calendar sole on the previous style to a um, injection molded outsole and a nice cushion EVA midsole with a good fit. Traction super important. It's it's just a huge upgrade in this waiter. It it is it is it, it's great and, and I like the the whole HND line. You know I've got uh, I've got the bag and the case as well. Those are great. If you I mean especially you're in boats things like that where there's constantly water splashing around. Those things really keep you know both you know your gun safe and dry your your gear safe and dry. Really nice work. Thank you. Yeah, that the whole HND line is um, particularly when I'm talking about the gun case and the blind bag stem from me hunting in really small boats with a dog and getting soaking wet all day long. Um, you, you can't go into those conditions without wearing a waterproof breathable jacket. Obviously, the waders are a component of it, but you know the traditional blind bags will soak up water even if they do keep the contents within dry and you just you're dumping water out, you're squeezing water out of it. You're it just everything becomes a mess. And so that line of products, I wanted something that you could wipe off with a, a towel or a paper towel or napkin, and you'd have a dry, you know, inside of a blind bag. You could keep your contents completely protected, and you know, it's always more comfortable when you get out there and none of your gear is soaking wet. Isn't that the truth? I mean, you brought up a great point with boats and dogs. There's no way around that dog not shaking water all over you at some point, no matter how big the boat is. Yeah. You know, they're, they're always going to do it. Uh, you know, I can't, well, what are they going to do? They can't shake in the water. So they got to get no, up in the boat right. to do it. And so that really uh, places a premium on waterproofing uh, on your gear when, you, when you're dealing with dogs. And, and you and I are both dog guys, man. We love our dogs, man. You know, they're going to be there. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, I try and teach my dogs to shake on command, but they're still animals and they got a mind of their own and <laughs> they want right. to be next to you. And yep. yeah, they drip and they shake where they do. And sometimes it's... It's not in the ideal location. Yeah. Speaking of that, y'all, uh, you all have really expanded your dog product line in a, in a big way. You know, I've really noticed that over the last year. It's uh, and I, I, that's got to be a lot of your influence. Am I correct? 
Yeah, for sure. Um, it's uh, the dog collection. I mean, you look at a few different things that duck hunters, you can almost guarantee that duck hunters will have. Um, one of them is a dog. Obviously, shotguns, the ammunition aside, pickup trucks are another thing. But, you know, none of us like to retrieve all of our ducks on our own. We like sending the dog and watching the dog work. And, you know, it's a natural extension of the Drake product. And we had a few different pieces, primarily some training bumpers, some collars and leads. But the dog collection is something that we've expanded significantly and we will continue to grow in the coming years. Excellent. Excellent. I'll be looking forward to all that, man. You know, I'm I'm a sucker for dog product. That's for sure. Yeah. It's amazing, just people, I mean, I'm describing myself as much as anybody, but man, if I'm on a budget for whatever it is I want to purchase, if it it becomes a conversation about buying stuff for my dogs, it feels like budgets go out the window. It's the truth, man, from what you feed them to, you know, everything with the dogs, it costs money, but it just, it's a, it's a, it's a labor of love kind of thing, and you just you don't ever really think about it. At least I don't. No, nope. you know, the dog's got to have it. Okay, well there it is. Definitely, when it comes to your dog, you spend with a smile. Here's a question for you: You have a favorite design so far that you've worked on? You know, um, it's a good question. Uh, I would say honestly, I mean, we've talked quite a bit about the H and D waiters, partly in terms of the the amount of work that went into that. And the amount of testing and and detail and pushing, honestly pushing at times to get those last components dialed in just right. That's something that I'm I'm probably look back on with with some of the more fond memories of development and and certainly with some of the greater appreciation for the end result. I hunt ah, if I had to guess, ninety-five percent of my waterfowl hunting is in the water. There's a, a few times a year that I go in a field. And so I'm almost always wearing the waders when I'm hunting. And ultimately, I I wanted something in those waders that enhances my experience, but kind of my measuring stick for whether or not a product has achieved what I want, particularly on the clothing side, is when I don't think about it. So I'm out there in the field and I'm dry, I'm warm, I'm comfortable. The the features, whether it be a hand warmer pocket or shell pocket or a wading belt or whatever it might be, they don't get in the way or I don't have to think about where they are. It just becomes an extension of me. And when I can achieve something that I don't have to think about when I'm in my field and I'm just I'm working synergistically with it. That's when I feel like I've achieved success or that product has achieved its desired goal. And I, I guess I, I guess say with those waiters, that is 100% where I, we've landed on those. And they're such a pleasure to hunt out of. And it's a piece of gear that just enhances the experience. There are a few other pieces that I really like as well. In addition to that, our dog stand for that we launched this year is a really cool multifunctional stand that you can use in the field with if you buy it with the blind attached or it works beautifully in the water. We mentioned that the HND blind bag, which is has been super functional for me in being that I hunt in wet, I mean, not just wet conditions, but wet conditions in a small boat with a dog. It's it's changed 
my game for sure. The ultimate waiter pants is a pair of pants that I really like and have enjoyed wearing uh, over the past few years. We actually launched that in fall 22. And those are super breathable, really, really warm. They add a layer of functionality that you don't see in a lot of waiter pants out there in that you can taper down the leg to get in and out of your waders without them bunching up or pulling up as you put your foot in the boot. And then when you're done, you can expand them to look more like a traditional pant, which fits over the top of a boot or shoe. Um, so when you're, if you're driving home, you stop at the diner or stop at a store, you don't look like you're wearing tights. The gun stand is a really cool tool. That one was a product that took a lot of time. That one took probably closer to 36 months to develop. Um, and it it solves problems for particularly a marsh hunter or somebody who is going to be hunting, standing in water, and doesn't have a place to hang anything that they're carrying in, whether it be their shotgun, their blind bag, the thermos, ammo. It, this tool allows you to operate hands-free when you're setting decoys, picking up decoys, retrieving a cripple, uh, working the dog. It's a really cool tool to um, offer a solution that really isn't out there. And there's some other tools out there that do something similar, but they don't provide the functionality that this product does while still being portable. And that was one of the big things that when you're walking in, to a spot like that, you probably don't have much capacity to carry a pile of things or certainly not a pile of bulky things. And so th this item, the gun stand, really solves a lot of problems and, and is still easy to to carry in. Exactly. And, and that and that's a, that fills a big need. There's folks all over the country. That's how they, they have to, to get into their spots is walking in. Man, when I was a kid, that was the way we got into everywhere, unless you were in a boat. But, you know, the ATV, UTV has kind of changed a lot of that. But on public land, you're not allowed to use that kind of deal. So uh, you have to, to go in on foot. So that's a that's a great product, uh, you know, for the, for the walk-in hunter, for sure. Let's talk about one line that that's rarely expanded over the years uh, that I was looking at the other day. It used to just be basically a jacket and a vest, I think, uh, for years is is McAllister. And McAllister, it's got the, you know, the old school style, the old ways of duck hunting. Uh, people love that. It, it's always, you know, it seems like always making a comeback. But uh, expand on the McAllister line a little bit, Justin, because y'all have brought out a, a huge amount of products in that line. Yeah, that is a, a product and a brand that has such a passionate following, even though for a number of years, it, as you mentioned, it was whittled down to just a few products. When I came on in 2000, late 2000, it was just four pieces, a couple jackets, a shirt, and a vest. And I set to work immediately on bringing back that brand and expanding that into a, a pretty sizable collection. And we're still expanding upon that and looking to grow that uh, brand. But in 2020, I guess 22, when we saw the, the launch of those new products I was working on, we went from those four pieces to, uh, I don't have the number off the top of my head right now, but somewhere in the realm of 45 48 items. We expanded it into um, a few lifestyle pieces, which more casual crossover into hunt solids, and then a significant expansion into the Upland collection. Uh, we've got uh, a Upland vest, some pants, a handful of shirts, headwear, gloves, 
gun cases. Uh, it's a it's a pretty cool collection of products. And what we try to do with the McAllister assortment is stick to a more traditional look, and in some cases, utilizing traditional materials and fabrics, uh, whether it be wax cotton, cotton, um, wool, uh, down, or as well as I should say expanding into some of the technical uh, fabrications and garments where you see a three-in-one waterproof breathable on the waterfowl side. And then, of course, as I mentioned, the the McAllister collection or the McAllister Upland collection, I should say. Yeah, I, like I said, I was just looking through it the other day and I noticed that that new three-in-one jacket, which is, man, I was like, wow, that's, that, that's really a departure from, from the old McAllister days right there, you know, and it looks like a pretty cool garment. It's a really, really nice, really warm garment with some technical features uh, with pit zips and um, really comfortable, easy-to-use cuffs. Uh, I've updated the fit on that to be um, a, a little more uh, in line with the old McAllister look, fit, and feel. It's uh, it's a really nice garment, and being in solids, it just kind of fits the brand of the McAllister um, customer and the old McAllister product line. It's a really nice garment. And that's, like I said, that's a three-in-one. It's got a zip-out liner that's a, kind of a hybrid of materials utilizing polyester interlock um, with some breathability and stretch and a um, synthetic down insulation material. Gotcha, gotcha. Man, wow. This this has been great, Justin. I mean, really enlightening. You know, for me, and I know for the audience too, a little, like I said, a little peek behind the curtain of what goes into, uh, you know, you're strolling through Max Prairie Wings and, and, and trying on a garment. And it's like, man, you got to think about, man, all the time and effort that went into this, you know, it gives me a new, a new appreciation for it. The devil's definitely in the details on this. And that applies to, you know, um, fit testing efforts or color approvals or, the calendar, as we discussed earlier, there's just there's so much that goes into it. And honestly, you know, you, you could almost put any level of detail in getting a product completed. But, you know, you you got to try and get the product done in a certain amount of time, call it 24 months. Um, and I'm just kind of rambling here. <laughs> <laughs> um it's definitely the devil's in the details on building the product. And, you know, you can take it to the nth degree on all of the aspects, whether it be color approvals or fit approval and testing, validation in the field. It's just, there's a lot that goes into it. It's a lot of fun, but you have to be attentive to the details for sure. Man, very good, very good. And, and from a Ducks Unlimited perspective, man, thank y'all so much for Drake Waterfowl being a, a proud partner with Ducks Unlimited and supporting, you know, man, Ducks Unlimited Television, uh, DU Nation and all that, man. It's it, it's really appreciated. And, and y'all y'all have really been great and really great partners in conservation. I appreciate it, John. We're super proud to be partnered with Ducks Unlimited. We've got a long-standing history together and, you know, the future of the duck hunting world is... You know, it's, it's dependent upon the being good stewards of the resource and um, bringing youth into the sport. And, you know, it's, we couldn't be more proud to be partnered with you. Very good. Very good. Well, folks, thanks for listening again to the Ducks Unlimited podcast and for supporting waterfowl and wetlands conservation. 
Thank you for listening to the DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina Pro Plan, always advancing. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit ducks.org slash DU Podcast. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.